When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wanted a career in which everything would matter. Because I'm motivated by something bigger than myself. So I joined the CIA. And now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Here, my abilities contribute to our mission. Agency professionals have extraordinary integrity and exceptional talents. And every day, we do work that's incredibly important. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit CIA.gov careers to learn more and apply. All right, we're back. It's another Carolina podcast, special quarantine edition. For the first time, I don't know if ever, but in a very, very long time, Wes and Chris and I are all in different places doing this on the phone, but making it happen for you, the listeners, because we love you and we value you and we appreciate you. And this quarantine is not going to stop us from producing compelling content. So Wes and Chris, thanks for taking some time out of your busy quarantine days to call in and Make this happen. It feels weird not to be looking at y'all recording this. It, it does, and uh, we're not going to be able to point at each other for who's going to talk next either. But you know, we'll get through <laughs> it. Um, I uh, I know everybody out there is uh, probably, I mean, already at the point of. I mean, you can only watch so much Netflix. You know what I mean. So hopefully, um, hopefully, we'll be at least. Hopefully, some people will think we're a little bit entertaining and can maybe. Uh, provide a little bit of sports talk um, amidst what is a very, very weird time, um, you know, I, I think for, for everybody right now. Yeah, very bizarre. I, I disagree with you that you can only watch so much Netflix. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on there, but hopefully this helps uh, break up the monotony, if nothing else. Before we get into some Carolina news, because we actually have some things to talk about today, we don't have to dip into the like evergreen well of like, oh gosh, what are we talking about? Just quite yet. I'm sure we will. This quarantine, I think, is going to last uh, a, a little bit. So we will get there. We do have some Carolina news today, but before we do any of that, just want to know what it's been like for y'all. Just pull back the curtain a little bit. I know y'all both work from home, Chris. You and I were just talking about that. What what has this been like for you so far? It, it really hasn't been any different. Um, you know, I've I've been uh, fortunate enough to do this job since 2009 full-time. So May of 2009 was, was when I started with Gamecock Central full-time covering football and recruiting. And so um, I've worked we, – we've never had an office. Maybe we will one day. We'll have some massive complex or something like that. Um, that, that would be pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, so we've worked from home since then. And so, um, you know, you got, I think you got to get creative. Um, I finally got to the point – really maybe last year where I like to, to get out a little bit more and I don't know, go to, go to a coffee shop or which I've done that in the past, but I do it a little bit more now. Um, you know, go to the library, hunker down in a study room, something like that, just to sort of break up that monotony. But um, the only difference, I mean, a big difference for us right now is our kids are at home. And so, um, you know, my wife's at home, kids are at home. And so we're, you know, my wife has has been teacher. You know, uh, for, while while all this 
is going on. And so it's been a little bit different, but it's also been pretty cool, frankly, because we've been able to, you know, have a little bit more family time and stuff like that. Um, and, and I'm, you know, there's still plenty for us to do at Gamecock Central. There's no games to cover, uh, but we've got, we, we've been talking a lot about content and stories, and I feel like we're going to have plenty of stuff to roll out. So it's been it's been pretty interesting. Yeah, I don't know if it's just because I've been, I guess, a little more online than I normally am, but it feels like y'all are turning out maybe even more content than you normally do, which is funny because there's fewer things to talk about, and it's like, okay, well, what can you actually do because there's no spring practice, and recruiting has been put on a halt, and we're going to get into a little bit later in the podcast what exactly – that means for South Carolina because obviously you don't have to see someone in person anymore to talk to them because we're doing it right now. Shout out Alexander Graham Bell. But y'all have been killing it, still crushing it with the content, and hopefully this is uh, going to end up being as good a content as y'all normally put on the website. Wes, what's it been like for you? Yeah, like Chris said, I mean, the, the work side of it really doesn't change. Um, I, I think it's just about sort of, you know, personal life, um, as you know, I don't, I don't necessarily guess everybody else or anybody else really knows, but you know, I'm, I'm big into my group classes there at the gym. And, um, I had actually stopped going, um, you know, I guess this weekend anyway, just cause I was like, all right, if we're all going to be social distancing, being in a small room with like 15 other people, um, you know, breathing and sweating on each other, probably not the best idea in the first place, but, um, then, you know, those got canceled anyway. So uh, it's just been sort of, you know, kind of trying to find some way at home to try and take care of that aspect of my life. But otherwise, uh, you know, I, I have been burning through some shows. Um, I actually just got on – we had a huge threat on the site, man, about people giving their show, um, you know, suggestions. And I, I've been burning through uh, Mr. Robot. At, uh, at night, which uh, is actually on Amazon Prime Video, if you have that out there. And you like I had, it? I had, dude, I love it. Okay. I love it. I, I don't know if it's for everybody, but um, I had seen maybe one or two episodes of it when it first came out. Um, but I'm much more likely to fly through a show if pretty much all of it is already finished and I can sort of watch at my own pace. So I, I've been watching that, man. But, but yeah, I just, uh, you know – and obviously we're going to talk a lot of sports here. And for everybody trying to flip off already, we're not going to talk about the coronavirus, you know, the entire show or anything, but I guess for the, for the sake of all of us, um, like I've been that guy. I'm like, can, can we all just do our part, you know, here for the next month or so or, or however long it takes. And I see some people sort of just ignoring it, that it's, there's still a belief out there that from some people that this is like media driven or something, which, um, it's just a crazy thought to me. Like I'm, I'm just hopeful. Like not, you know, not that you know mo- most people are going to be absolutely fine. But uh, you know, we all have. I'd imagine we all have elderly people around us that we're close to, and um, you know, you know, loved ones and stuff that are at higher risk. And um, you know, hopefully we can all sort of uh, bunker down a little bit and try to slow the spread of this thing. And and even if not, if that reason doesn't appeal for you, then hey, the the quicker we all sort of listen to this and can kind of uh, hopefully slow the spread, then maybe the quicker everything gets back to normal. If, if that's more, you know, you're listening, that's more your your worry right now. Uh, you know, I think the quicker we all just do what we're asked to do, then 
maybe we can slow the spread. I guess we'll see. Um, and everything can more quickly get back to normal. Because right now, I mean, I, I know, you know, initially, I, I don't think, I don't think the shock sort of set in how big of a deal this was for a lot of people at first, myself included at the very beginning. And um, it's interesting how sports are almost, for a lot of us, a barometer how serious something is because, you know, at first, I think just playing games with no fans in the stands, we're like, oh, wow, this, this, is, this is crazy. And then, I mean, even at the time, I was like, you know, they're not going to cancel the NCAA basketball tournament. And now, you know, le- you know, less than a week later, you know, that, that was a foregone conclusion. And then I was like, you know, surely they're not going to have to cancel all spring sports. And then quickly you start to, like, realize more and more information. You're like, there's no way they're not going to cancel all spring sports, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, baseball, MLB goes from, like, they might have to push the season back to, hey, guys, are we going to be able to have baseball – in July, you know, it's like, uh, I think we all quickly just sort of got, um, you know, I, I won't say blindsided, but I, I think it just, it, it set in for a lot of people, I think, of how big this thing is when all the sports started getting canceled. Because I, I think even if you sort of stay out of the world news and the political realm of things, when uh, when sports start getting canceled, I think people are starting to take a little bit more notice. I think that's a good way to put it, and that it's a, a barometer. It's sort of the last vestige, and I, the comparison that a lot of people have made, and enough people have made it that I don't think I need to preface it by saying this is not a direct comparison, but I would rather be safe than sorry. This is not a direct comparison, but I've heard a lot of people just in terms of the approach to to sports and to uh, just, just sort of like the collective mentality of society right now to the immediate aftermath of 9-11, where everything was sort of put on hold because there's an understanding that, whoa, this is like a, a really unique and like really, in the case of 9-11, really terrible. In the case of COVID-19, like really potentially terrible in a different kind of way, a different kind of devastation. And it, it makes you really step back. There are a lot of tragedies that occur in this. I mean, there, there are tragedies that occur in this country every year. And there are things like sports and entertainment that are used to sort of like bring people back together. It's a communal experience. It helps us you know, on the one hand, escape a little bit and forget about some of the things that are going on. And in some cases, you know, we can take advantage of sporting events like what they were going to do with the SEC basketball tournament in terms of using using the revenue there to help raise money for tornado relief in Nashville. You know, there are both practical, like monetary, financial, as well as emotional applications for sports and entertainment in terms of giving us a respite, respite from some of the harder things that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis in life. And when that's canceled, it puts into stark relief both how important those things are in our life and, like, actually important. I know a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's just a game. And yes, it is. But, like, we collectively as a society have determined that these are the things that we like to do communally that really bring us together in a way that nothing else quite does. And when that's taken away from us, it, it not only highlights how dramatic the situation is, but also, again, how important those things are are to us so it, it's been it's been really interesting and, it, and it's kind of sobering and i mean even with 9-11 it was a couple of weeks and things were back to normal things might not get back to normal with this for a couple of months so we're in completely uncharted territory we may never be in a scenario like this in terms of what the three of us do in this line of work 
for the rest of our lives where all sports are just canceled. Except I think I saw curling on TV last night or something like that. But by and large, pretty much everything has been canceled around the world. And it's it's a unique position. And you're right. We know we're just trying to do our part. And I, I think it's important for us to keep doing this. And I think it's important that we're doing it like we're doing it because I don't know. I don't I don't think we're like, you know, role models for anybody, or I don't necessarily think we should be, or I don't think I should be. Maybe y'all should be. But I, I feel no, like I, I shouldn't I, be either. <laughs> I, I feel like we're doing our part here because we're we're both kind of continuing with our normal lives as best we can, but also, you know, respecting some of the things that are in place to try to, you know, mitigate the spread of the virus. And and basically we're just trying to we're trying to do our part. But we don't have to uh, we don't have to completely shut down our lives. You know, we still talk. We're still going to do our podcast. We're still going to work. We're still going to create content and things like that, because I think that's also really important as we all, again, are in a completely unique situation, one that none of us will probably ever be in again. But it's important to not like lose every part of normalcy in our day to day life, because this might be the new normal. So we need to, I guess, kind of. Uh, kind of get used to this. So I guess that's my two cents in, in terms of like why it's important for me that we keep doing this. Obviously, like I said today, we do have some some actual Gamecock news things to talk about, but I, I think it's important for, I mean, for everybody listening to this, you know, continue with as much normalcy in your life as you possibly can while still respecting what's in place in terms of what we can do to help and, and do our part. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and with that, before I forget, because I want to go back to something you said earlier, Wes, you mentioned not doing your group gym classes. That is a real bummer. My girlfriend and I have been going to the Y a lot and doing a bunch of classes out there. And we, I, we were actually like finishing up a bar class on Sunday when we got the news that like everything was shutting down, like the Y and all the schools and you know group classes and things like that. Have you though been back to the gym, not in like a group class capacity, but just to like work out yourself in the gym? Not not in the gym. I uh, I actually got with uh, a few folks that I workout with at the gym anyway and we did like an outside workout we basically went mm-hmm. running yesterday which um anybody who knows me knows that running distances is one of my <laughs> least favorite things to do in the world but um i i like the social aspect of group classes but also like the uh, the routine of going i go about the same time every day and just the structure of hey do this but it's going to be something that we're that's constantly changing you know like Uh, do this for a little while but then we're going to move to this workout we're going to move to this exercise um so uh just running um for any type of distance is really not what i enjoy doing but um that's what we're doing right now that's uh that's what we got to do so everyone i mean i guess that's the least we can all do is adjust small parts of our day-to-day life Mm -hmm. to try and distance ourselves from others and um you know obviously not it's mandatory now, but obviously not eating out at restaurants. Uh, you know, we can get stuff to go. And hey, I, I've been, I've guys, I've been all in on the support local business thing. Like, I haven't cooked a thing. Like, I'm using this as like a, a positive um, excuse to be like, oh yeah, we need to support these restaurants. I'm just going to order takeout for every single meal. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm giving myself an excuse to to eat some of these awesome. Uh, local restaurants that we have that obviously um, restaurant um, you know restaurant entertainment is going to struggle for a while so um, going out getting to go and and then taking it home and eating it uh, nothing wrong with that right now and actually can support 
some of our local businesses that way. Yeah, and we're we're recording this on a takeout Wednesday. So by the time you hear this, this is going to be a put. We're recording this in the morning. You're going to hear it a little bit later in the afternoon, hopefully. And uh, yeah, it, it's takeout Wednesday. So even if you're someone that's inclined to cook, take advantage of it today and go get you know some pizza or some sandwiches or something. And I, you know, I don't know. I haven't checked what the full list of places that are still offering uh, takeout service. What, what the full list of places offering takeout is. Had to make sure my uh, verbs agreed there. But I, I don't know if, if y'all want to see me or if I want to see y'all. We can get in, we can gather as long as it's like fewer than 10 people. So I don't know if this would be an opportunity for the three of us to take out Andy's and Groucho's and do it, do the test once and for all <laughs> as we get into maybe a little bit of a, uh, I don't know what, what to call it. But for the sake of some content a little bit later on in this quarantine, but the, that's still still an option even if we won't be able to eat in there. Uh, Chris, Wes mentioned that he was watching Mr. Robot. I know y'all have both been working like you normally do because y'all work from home anyway. Have you had the opportunity to, to binge any shows or watch any movies in the early goings of this quarantine? You know, I, I thought I would maybe, I don't know why I thought this. I thought I would have a little bit more time. I haven't, you know, we, we've spent the evenings we've, we've gone outside and we've sort of, uh, we had some new neighbors move in who have a couple kids we've known for a while actually. And been let the kids play outside really until it gets dark. We'll go outside at four or five and let them play and, you know, get, still keep a little bit of a distance, but, uh, you know, and I had everybody worried yesterday cause I'm sitting there coughing up a storm. I'm like, look, it's, it's seriously just allergies. It's Honestly, the worst time to have allergies. Wrecking me. <laughs> Yeah, it really is, and it's been just, you know, allergies, pollen's been wrecking me. But we've been doing that a lot, and, um, you know, I did start we, – we, we've watched a couple of shows that we just normally watch on network anyway, my wife and I, but um, I did start watching Bloodline on Netflix recently, um, and it, it has been really good so far. I think, I've watched, I think I've watched two or three. It's got Coach Taylor in it, um, and so uh, – from uh, Friday Night Lights, and he's he's always he's he's really good in everything I think, and uh, it's been an interesting show so far. So that's the only one so far, but I think as uh, time progresses, I'll dive into a few more here. And I've definitely been looking at everybody's list of of ones to check out and plan on doing that. Yeah, I haven't been able to commit to anything yet. I've just been rewatching Atlanta. I watched the movie Sunday night. Uh, started a movie last night, didn't finish it, but I, I'm I'm sure I will get into it sooner rather than later in terms of binging something, whether on Amazon or Netflix. I don't have to check out that thread. Is that on the Insiders Forum or the Fighting Gamecock Forum? Yeah, it's on the Insiders Forum. On the Insiders Forum. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right, so if y'all aren't an insider to Gamecock Central and you want all the best recommendations for things to watch <laughs> during the quarantine, sign up for Gamecock Central. Never been a better time. Get all the content that you're going to need to get you through the quarantine. Uh, and with that, as I mentioned, we do have a little bit of Gamecock news to talk about today. South Carolina, by the time you've heard this, has landed another commit for the class of 2021. Uh, remarkably, the NCAA said no more recruiting. Now, obviously, that means no more in-person visits to limit the contact and you know practice social distancing and things like that. I guess before we get into the specifics of Carolina's commit, what does this look like now for college coaches and for South Carolina specifically? Because obviously you can still text and you can still call if that's allowed. I can't remember. I know we literally just went over it last week for my benefit, and I've already forgotten whether or not this is a dead period or a live period and if you can text and if you can call. What is the state of college football recruiting right now, Chris? Yeah, so really one quick clarification. So dead period – um, dead period, open period, contact period, eval period, all these different you know period definitions. 
those really don't have to do with contact over the phone, over social media, mailings, things like that. There are separate rules for those. Any of those particular periods always have to do with, you know, in-person contact or evaluations, whatever they may be. Um, generally, and it's going to be a general statement without getting into the specific time frames, but you're really, it's really pretty open as far as phone contact. Now, you know, college coaches, for example, they get one phone call at a particular time, this particular stretch up until a prospect's, you know, certain time that he's in high school, for example. And then after that, you know, you get one a week during a, you know, outside of a contact period during a contact period it's at the school's discretion. So, you know, it's, it's a big sort of jumble of different terms, but a, a dead period or this recruiting shutdown that we're seeing right now is still open for college coaches to communicate with prospects. And in fact, that's, that's still been happening a lot. You know, they're still trying to, you know, keep prospects on the hook. There are a lot of them actually that we're planning on visiting at the end of March or into April. You look at the spring game, things like that. You look at camps, are those going to be affected? We don't know yet. Um, but yeah, so there's still a lot of communication there. So I think one of the biggest, obviously the biggest change <laughs> is that there's no visits right now to campuses and, and that's pretty significant, but you've also got the fact that, you know, the, the spring evaluation period uh, for the coaches is, is also, you know, a thing that's not, it starts April 15th normally and runs through the end of May. So that's a big one because that's when the head coach can't go out, but the assistant's, 10 assistants can all go out on the road, get two evaluations per, per prospect. You can go, say, watch a spring practice. You can go get their transcript, get talk to their high school coaches, things like that. So I'd say those are the two biggest things right now that have been affected. But in terms of social media and, you know, sending out edits to prospects and, and talking to them over the phone, those things can still take place right now. So, Wes, what does this mean specifically for South Carolina? Obviously, this is an important class. And it's just March, so this is really the early stages. But as we talk about South Carolina having a new commit, the third one of this 2021 class, and obviously it's not like the entire recruitment happened in this short quarantine period. There was already a relationship there. This is just a matter of following up and getting a commitment and having an offer and you know all those things that are kind of a formality. It's not like the entire courtship has happened in the last week. But is it is it harder? Is it an advantage? Is it a disadvantage? I know the the... Uh, playing field is sort of leveled for everybody, but does this put Carolina behind because they were already a school that's, you know, especially when you start to go for some of these higher star recruits, like the four and five star guys, it, you know, the, the on-campus visits seem to be what has helped South Carolina because it's hard to make a pitch over the phone and be like, hey, we just went four and eight. We have great facilities. You can't see them. You know, we got all this cool stuff. You can't see it. You can't be here. Does that put Carolina at a disadvantage? Um. I don't know. I mean, like you said, it, it is an even playing field. Uh, I think the thing, you know, obviously with them getting a four-star guy today, um, you know, that, that's a big pickup for them. And, you know, I, I think you look, it, it probably hurts most with the guys that have never been on your campus and have, uh, you know, maybe were interested in, in checking you out this spring for spring practice and maybe you're out-of-state guys and, uh, you know, you, you look at, you know, we'll obviously get into Colton here in a second, but uh, just using him as an example, as a guy who's been on your campus already multiple times, uh, for those guys, the fact that you still can, can talk on the phone and, and text and, 
you know, the, the kids can call the coaches anytime they want. Um, you know, it, you're just sort of continuing a relationship there. And um, it, it, the recruiting ban right now, the dead period, really probably has minimal effect with, with the guys that have already been on your campus many times. But, um, you know, every player takes the process a little bit differently. Um, this would be a time, I, I think, uh, especially you start looking into April and uh, the fact that, uh, you know, the, the evaluation period for, for prospects, the, the spring before their senior year is a big time for coaches to go out and see high schools and, um, you know, check them out in person and, and send out a bunch of new offers. Um, obviously, it appears that's not going to happen. Um, I don't guess that, the you know, the June camps have been, like, officially canceled at, at this point, but – um, you know, I'd say those are probably in grave danger as well as far as um, taking place the way they normally do, and that's a huge evaluation time for South Carolina. So, you know, I, I think your, your guys that you were already strongly in on and had visited several times and stuff, th this is probably really not a, a factor at all. I think it's more about your your juniors who are rising seniors that would maybe be getting an offer from schools like South Carolina, and, and now they're not because they're not going to be seen. So it, I think it maybe affects your your evaluation process. But, again, I, I think that's for everybody. Um, there, it, it may be a little bit harder on programs like South Carolina, though, um, in that it, it probably isn't a factor at all with sort of your, your logo programs, we call it, like your, your traditional top ten programs that are recruiting off of their logo alone at times and um, – not their logo alone, but where their logo carries such value with prospects. Then would it be fair to say that this maybe has an impact more on, on the bottom of the class for South Carolina? And not even maybe necessarily the bottom of the class, but the the back end of the class, the guys that they're going to evaluate later that they wouldn't feel like maybe they would have gotten a head start on now that they're not going to get a chance to, and then maybe even the class of 2022? Yeah, I think it could. I mean, I, I think there's going to be a catch-up, you know, once – once this thing finally, you know, I, I don't even know what the terminology is. Once life gets somewhat back to normal um, in terms of uh, the sports world, um, I think there's going to be a, a big catch-up period. Who, who knows what the schedule will be like at, at that point? You know, are, are they going to allow camps? Or are they not? Um, you know, if it's, if it's backing all the way up into the actual start of the college football season, then your focus has to be on getting your current team ready. You know, it, it can't really be on recruiting and evaluation and all that. So then I think it puts a huge onus on your recruiting support staff to do a good job with evaluation and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of questions right now, man, that can't be answered. But, um, and, and again, we're, you know, we're talking about this through the prism of um, college football recruiting. I, obviously, the grand scheme, this is all um, – you know, small potatoes, but I think uh, certainly every aspect of, of every sport, um, you know, and from recruiting to team to, to whatever, there's going to have to be adjustments. And, and as with anything, whoever adjusts to what's happening the best is going to be the, the team and the programs that, uh, that have an advantage over the others. Yeah, the implications for this current team – are obviously fascinating, and we'll get to those in just a second. But since we have started talking about recruiting and since we do have news, I don't know. It's it's funny. We're recording this 
It's 11 o'clock on Wednesday morning right now, so it has not broken yet. I don't know which one of you is going to break it, which one of you is going to write the story about this commit, but obviously by the time you're listening to this, that news will be broken. So whichever one of you is uh, writing the story or breaking this news, uh, tell us about Carolina's new four-star commit. Yeah, um, I believe he'll be breaking the story himself on Twitter, but the story is already written. Um, So South Carolina, earlier today, as you're listening to this, um, lands a commitment from Hebron Academy four-star quarterback Colton Gauthier. Um, he's a pro-style guy, six foot three. He's listed two hundred five. I think he's actually more up into the two fifteen range from what I've um, heard. Uh, the latest uh, weigh-in for him, he's the number fourteen pro-style quarterback in the country, um, number twenty-six overall prospect in the state of Georgia, and. Um, Someone that, that really South Carolina has been on for almost a year now. They I was looking back through his recruitment, like some of the old stories on him. They, uh, they offered way back in May uh, last spring. That was, of course, when Dan Warner was the quarterback's coach. Um, he visited a couple times then, uh, was back on campus for, uh, for a, uh, a summer camp where he threw for Dan Warner. Chris and I actually had a chance to watch him out there. Um, Big-armed kid, can, can make all the throws to throw all the quarterback cliches at you. But, um, you know, Warner really sort of, I guess, dove in on him as, as one of their primary, if not the top, 2021 target at quarterback. And for much of the year, I would say it looked like South Carolina was probably going to be the destination. Um, visited for the Kentucky game um, in the middle of the year. Then South Carolina season, of course, tanked. Then – Dan Warner, you know, retired or was let go, whatever terminology you use. And uh, then Mike Bobo came in, you know, was sort of reassessing the quarterback board. So I would say at that point it became a little bit more up in the air. But um, he was back on campus. uh, It's almost two weeks now um, for for one of the spring practices. Um, I think that was a big visit for him just to be around Bobo. Uh, For what I understand, really liked the energy. South Carolina sort of doubled – back down on him as a target, let him know that he was wanted, let him, let him know that he could be their guy at quarterback in this class. And, you know, it sort of just took off from there. And um, I think just reaffirmed what I believe. I mean, I was looking back, Chris and I put in our predictions for South Carolina with him uh, back in the summer. Um, at the time, it looked like he might, you know, make an early commitment to South Carolina. And I think just being back on campus a couple of weeks ago reaffirmed everything for him. Um had some had some nice Power Five offers. Uh, let's see, Boston College. This is an alphabetical order: Boston College, Colorado, Duke, Georgia Tech, Florida State, Kentucky, Louisville, Maryland, Miami, Missouri, Ole Miss, Indiana, Pitt, South Florida, Vandy, Virginia Tech, and West Virginia. So, um, not not quite that like elite five star um, offer list or ranking, but um, you look at what South Carolina has been able to do quarterback recruiting. Obviously, Luke Doty already on campus. Uh, Ryan Helensky already on campus, four-star guys, um, you know, and I think really good position with Gunnar Stockton already for 2021. Um, to be able to add another four-star kid to the mix, um, I think it's certainly a, a big pickup for them as they continue to sort of just uh, restock that, that quarterback room. Pocket passer or balanced? I would say firmly a pocket passer. He, he's not a statue. He can – you know, he can run it and probably – I was talking to Chad Simmons, who does a great job covering Georgia for us. He said he's a, 
a little bit more athletic than he's probably given credit for, but this is a pro-style type quarterback all the way. And and actually, I think that's something that appeals to him um, is the, the Mike Bobo's offense, the scheme that they're putting in, um, how that sort of fits what um, what his skill set sort of is right now. Um, I know he's probably a little bit more spread in high school and shotgun and stuff, but um, he, he really fits, I think, what South Carolina wants to do. And that's, you know, that's something South Carolina has pushed really hard, not just with Colton, but with all the offensive prospects has been um, what type of playmakers and quarterbacks that Bobo has been able to develop and, and put out over the years. The guys that have played in his scheme and have gone on to the NFL um, it's something that, that this staff has pushed really hard since Mike Bobo arrived. All right, so if Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are like a zero and Aaron Rodgers is like a five and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are ten, with zero being pocket passer, ten being runner, and five being balanced, I'm making this more complicated than it needs to be because that's, that's what I do. I'm just I'm curious because you say pocket passer and I'm just I'm imagining Peyton Manning and I know you said that he's probably more athletic than he gets credit for but is he closer to Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or is he closer to like a balance sort of like good pocket mobility at least like Aaron Rodgers? Chris, you want to weigh in on this? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say he'd be in between. So I mean, like with Rodgers, his thing is just the. You know, Aaron Rodgers is maybe one of the more gifted, like, pocket navigators you'll see mm -hmm. in terms of just being able to buy time. He's not going to go, you know, he's he's not going to go Lamar Jackson, who's the full 10. Right. Interesting that you had Allen and Lamar Jackson in the same category. I feel like Lamar Jackson should be like a 100 out of 10 as far as, <laughs> as, yeah. Far as his, I, I guess, uh, yeah, Josh Allen just runs so much and is pretty good at it. it it's a yeah. different It's a different kind yeah. of running than Jackson, though. You're right. If Lamar is our standard in this as a 10, I mean, <laughs> Allen, to me, is probably an 8, right? Like an 8. I, mean, I guess, Lamar, I, I yeah, guess, I'm, yeah, I guess yeah. I'm thinking more like tendency and skill set more than like how good are you at this thing. Because Rodgers will scramble for a first down every once in a while, but he will mostly stay in the pocket, but he has the mobility, which is why I feel like he's balanced. And then Peyton Manning and Tom Brady only leave the pocket to walk to the sideline after a drive. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I mean, I would say, you know, Colton Colton's not in that in that uh, in that category as far as just no mobility. It, but he's, you know, and gosh, it's hard to even say. Okay, he's closer to Aaron Rodgers because if you're close to Aaron Rodgers in terms of pocket presence, then you're you're awesome at it. You know. Um, so I would say he's. I don't know. Maybe a, a two or three in that area, something like that. But you know, when you're rating it that way. You know, Rodgers would be Rogers would be very low on the like, not very low. He'd be lower on the like, scrambling type of outside the pocket navigation, but in the pocket, he's you know as good as we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of hard to rate him. But you know, Colton Colton's more of that guy who's gonna, you know, could he run some zone read stuff for Carolina, et cetera. You know, maybe, maybe I don't know if we're gonna make like a current Gamecock, you know. Um, comparison, maybe, you know, maybe a notch above Ryan Helensky. Is that fair, Wes? You know, so, somewhere kind around of Dylan Thompsony, maybe. Yeah, yeah that, that might maybe. be fair. 
But but Dylan yeah, was because uh, Dylan obviously not known for his scrambling, but also picked up that third and nineteen against Clemson, and I mean yeah, he could yeah. get outside of the pocket if he absolutely needed to. Yeah, yeah I, and I, I would say um, if I'm just looking at the numbers the way you presented them from a tendency standpoint, just watching his film at least, the number is very low. Like his tendency is absolutely, you know, I'm going to get the ball out uh, whether it's short passing game or down the field passing game. Um, he's not looking to run really much at all. I, I think as far as ability and potential and, you know, athleticism, that number's maybe more like a three or so, uh, three and a half, mm-hmm. whereas the actual tendency is probably more like a one and a half or something. Like he, he is a, from a tendency standpoint, very much a pass first, pass second, pass third. Um, I've actually got his film up right now. Um, but, I mean, as I'm talking about him, there's a play. I mean, if anybody goes to this depth and it wants to look, it's his highlights from this year at about the three-minute mark. He drops back. Um, he's got two guys bearing down on him from the outside. He takes sort of one little half step up into the pocket. Then he has a linebacker about to hit him, and he delivers the ball at the guy at his feet. So, um, you know, the, the ability in the pocket to – sort of keep his eyes downfield and, and make throws and throw the ball with guys hitting him, um, you know, I, I think is, is something that he, he's going to be pretty good at. And certainly it's going to be a big jump. He's another – you see more and more guys, I feel like, especially quarterbacks with this class and especially from Georgia that are private school quarterbacks. And, um, you know, he, he does play private school ball. So the size of the guys he'll be against at the next level, there's going to be a huge jump. Um, there's another play, uh, let's see, three, three minute, 40 second mark where he just dodges, uh, a, uh, basically a defender that has a free shot at him and, and delivers the ball about 40 yards downfield on a rope. So, um, all, so it's all not going to cause me pain to watch him move. No. Okay, good. All right. I, that's all I needed to know. Cause well, I mean, anytime you watch Peyton Manning run, it's like, ow, 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 ow. Like yeah. every step looks like it hurts. Um, even Ryan Helensky, a, a little bit like that, just because you're like, oh, don't, don't, don't do that. But I mean, he's sounds like he's more of a statue than uh, than the new guy. Now it won't matter if you have a transcendent arm like Peyton Manning, like Tom Brady. If uh, if you just want to be a pocket passer and you're amazing at it, then uh, power to you. But just uh, curious to get an in-depth scouting report and again make this uh, way more complicated than it needs to be. You uh, absolutely succeeded at that, but. Um... I think the other thing with Colton is that, uh, you know, again, talking to Chad a bit, uh, he he's a driven kid, you know, hard worker, um, has the mental side of the game, you know, takes it very seriously. I think especially with quarterbacks, man, that's a big part of it. If you, if you want to be a pocket passer, you know, Mike Bobo talked about this a bit as well. Um, it's not just, you know, you said transcendent. It's not just that ability to physically throw the ball. It's, to have a mental feel for, you know, everything that's going on around you and to have all the answers. You know, if you're a quarterback and that's your game, you got to have all the answers offensively where you're putting the ball to the right spot. You know when to check down. You know when to throw the ball away um, as opposed to relying on, you know, your feet and your athleticism and stuff like that. And um, Colton – and, you know, all of South Carolina's quarterbacks that they've signed recently have that – uh, you know, sort of mental makeup where they're hard workers and they spend the extra time in the, you know, in the, the quarterback room and the meeting room. So um, 
I think that's a big part of it as well with him. And again, to to be able to get a guy like this on top of, uh, you know, with, with everyone knowing Luke Doty is uh, already on campus and has played well during the spring, and you have Ryan Alinsky as a young quarterback. Um, you know, I, I think this is this is a really nice pickup considering all those things. And um, the highlights are still running as I'm talking. There there are a few as you get deeper into his highlights. Um, five to six minute mark. He does run a little bit of zone read. He does get to the outside. Actually, a pretty tough runner. I mean, he puts his head down. Not the fastest guy, but um, he puts his head down and, and mows over some guys. Granted, they are smaller than him, but um, again, just a lot to like about him. With quarterbacks, guys, I feel like it's all it's always you know potential. It's all it's a bit of a crapshoot when you're evaluating quarterbacks. And only one of them can play, as we know. So, um, about you know what half of your quarterbacks are going to be a bust for whatever reason. But it's just about signing the right type of guys, the right type of kids, the right type of um, skill set, and then letting the cream sort of rise to the top within your offensive scheme. I think. Last recruiting thing, since Carolina is not on campus, and obviously the the, the equation, or rather the the calculus of how the coaches can now approach recruiting certainly changes, but now the coaches don't have to worry about spring practice because that's not going on, and we're going to talk about the implications of that in just a second. But, Chris, should we now expect this to be a more prolific period for recruiting? Should we expect a lot more recruiting news over the course of the next month than we normally would have, or will it still be kind of slow because the contact is so limited? You know, I don't I don't know that it'd be fair to say to expect more. And the reason I say that is because there's not going to be, you know, in-person visits for, you know, the foreseeable future for quite a while. Now, that said, South Carolina landed a guy today. Um, there are some potential targets that could drop, you know, whether later in March and April. Those things could happen. I just don't think – I don't think because of all this we're going to see like an uptick in – in recruiting activity. I mean, I think, you know, even without all this, it's something we've talked about on the site a lot, you know, South Carolina's recruiting momentum, you know, maybe in this cycle, not as high as last year, the year before. And what I mean by that is I don't know that we can go into the summer expecting South Carolina to have double digits on the commitment list. And, and there's a lot of things that go into that, but, you know, obviously the season didn't go very well last year. There's, uh, you know, the perception that this is a this is a year in which Will Muschamp and his staff really need to win. Um, you know, there there wasn't as much early traction with some 2021 targets. Obviously, they they've landed a couple guys, and both of those guys were unexpected. This one, uh, not really unexpected, but um, one that you know you you look at, and I think you look at South Carolina is fortunate to be able to get Colton Gauthier at this point. So. I just don't think we can expect an uptick. I don't know that it'll necessarily be super slow, and there's still going to be a lot of uh, contact, you know, over the phone, over social media between coaches and prospects. And I do think uh, that we could see more commitments between, now, say, now and the end of April, end of May. I just don't think that yeah, it'd be tough to sit here and say, yeah, they're going to be able to land double-digit commitments in the 21 class. That's sort of hard to project right now. But if they do, Gamecock Central will be on it, and y'all want to be on Gamecock right. Central and insiders and all that stuff because if anything happens it's gonna be the only thing to talk about so you better know about it first so you can tell your friends so you can be the cool guy the other 
confusing part of the football question and like the actual football, not just the recruiting uh, that I want to get to. We'll do this uh, vis-a-vis a little a little Q&A, a little mailbag, because we did put a thread up on the Insider Forum. So thank you all, as always, to those of you that posted questions and uh, S-Car fan in Bama sort of preempted this topic. So I'll, I'll give him a little bit of a shout out here and just read his questions. As when it comes to football, to a certain extent, the cancellation of spring practice is going to affect every team in every conference the same way. I guess that's a refrain we're going to hear from coaches a bunch whenever SEC media days roll around, but some teams still may be affected by this a bit more than others. For example, I'd guess that teams who plan to implement wholesale schematic changes on offense and or defense would be affected more so than those who plan to return more elements of what they ran last season. So staffs with higher turnover could be affected more than those that return both their coordinators and their head coach. Similarly, teams that plan to introduce uh, new starters at key roles like quarterback will miss a lot of those reps, a lot of those loss reps, more so than teams... Uh, that return a higher percentage of starters. Any other factors you guys can think of that might cause a team to suffer from the loss of spring ball more so than other teams and any particular examples of teams in the SEC you guys can point to of folks who might feel it the most. Sorry for the long-winded question. Stay safe out there. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for the question. You hit on a lot of things that I think are important to think about, and I don't know if you were like just intentionally leaving out South Carolina or, or want us to really discuss that on, on like a bigger picture, but South Carolina I, I think fits all those things that you were wondering about, and a lot of the conversation around South Carolina this spring has been, this is the most important spring, certainly of the Will Muschamp era. I mean, more important than any spring that Steve Spurrier ever had. When we had Josh Kendall on our local show a couple weeks ago, he, or maybe it was David Kloniger. Now I'm giving someone the the not right not the right credit, but somebody that we talked to that's been covering South Carolina for a long time said it's probably the most important spring since Lou Holt's second year. Because of some of the things that Escar fan and Bama mentioned in terms of implementing a new offensive scheme with Mike Bobo, but more than that, Carolina just needed to get a lot better. So, before we talk about that specifically, what can Carolina's players and coaches be doing in the spring? Because they're not on campus, they can't be together, practice has been canceled. What can they still do? Uh, I mean, go ahead, Chris. Well, I was going to say, you know, I do know that the players, obviously, in a unique situation like this, is very challenging for everyone. Players, coaches, think about the strength staff. I mean, they've outlined all these different things, and really the caveat is you need a weight room to be able to do them. And they can give the the players guidance on those things, but the players have to, you know, do them on their own. They have to find, you know, where are you going to work out? I mean, I imagine a lot of players can go to their old high school, you know, gym, if provided it's open or, or wherever it may be. But that's a challenge. Then you've got, you know, the schematic issue with Mike Bobo putting in a new offense. Now, a lot of SEC schools have that. You know, you look at, I mean, shoot, just off the top of my head, I mean, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Arkansas, uh, LSU, you know, uh, with Joe Brady leaving, uh, Mississippi, Mississippi State. I mean, uh, Georgia. I mean, a lot of places schematically. The entire conference. Oh, the entire Most of the conference. I mean, they, they've got new offenses going in. So this is affecting a lot of people. And then, I mean, your offseason, you know, your lifting program uh, during the spring. I mean, all those things are affected. And so uh, I, don't, I don't know the rules about, uh, you know, that's a good question. We need to get an answer to as far as um, – is it still just the same amount of meeting time, but they can do it virtually? I really don't know. Um, I do know that the players can access, you know, certain things uh, remotely if they if they want to. Uh, obviously, it's on them to do so to where they can keep up with, 
you know, hey, maybe looking at this film or, 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 or you know, whether it's a workout plan, things like that. Those are those they're able to do. I just don't know the haven't heard yet the particulars on how that is. I do know that several folks have just told me it's a it's a pretty challenging time, uh, get, given all those factors that they just can't meet in person. I mean, South Carolina has this new facility where everything's right there. You got, you got your weight room, you got nutrition, you got meeting rooms, you got the practice field. All those things are integrated, and now all those things are completely separated. Um, and so you take all those components. I mean, you don't even think about the nutrition. I mean, for these players, um, they can they can really refuel these players, and now you're losing all that. Um, and I don't want to say this is not good news, quote unquote. But you know, all schools right now are in that same boat. It's just it is going to be more difficult on a place like South Carolina or anybody that's putting in a new scheme because you're not getting that practice time. So I think it's just going to be key what happens going forward. You know, what, what does July look like? What does preseason camp look like? Is there extra time given? We, we don't know those things. And so it is challenging that they miss out on this practice time. Will they get some of it back? I think that's the question that has to be answered before we can truly, truly assess the impact. But we can all agree that this is not a great situation for South Carolina. No, not at all. No, no, no. How not detrimental does this actually end up being? Like, I, Like, spring is important for a lot of reasons. The implementation of offense, like I get that some things philosophically, developing a relationship with some of those players, but I I feel like from what I have heard, you know, talking to guys like you know Langston Moore and Eric Kimry and guys that have been through a lot of springs, there's not a ton of install that actually happens. Maybe like some bigger picture concepts that the players are honestly probably already familiar with, but it's an opportunity to get reps for younger guys to sort of get a vague idea of what your depth chart is going to be. And to just work on a lot of fundamentals, which South Carolina needed to improve in a lot of areas, especially offensively last year. Are, are we going to end up overstating how important it is that South Carolina missed this spring because a lot of the install isn't going to happen until later? It's interesting because Will Muschamp has, has, he has liked to structure spring earlier. And it's, he's liked to structure it earlier because he feels it's better for the players. You have a longer recovery period, you know, when you're going from end of spring to summer. You know, guys who may have had surgeries or maybe got injured during spring, um, you know, things of that nature. But I, I don't, I don't know. It, it's just I'm not trying to give a cop out answer. It's just it's really hard to predict, you know. And, and I don't know, you know, is are we going to get? Is this thing going to go so far that South Carolina could only have a full slate of preseason camp? Which that'll be good. I mean, even that's in question right now. Heck, man, we don't know if we get to. August, we don't know if they're going to be able to open training camp on time. I mean, I think everybody's assuming that, but I don't know if we should even assume that right now. Um, I don't even know if we should assume the college football season is going to start on time. I mean, it seems like it will if this thing gets under control, but we really don't know. I mean, uh, you know, epidemiologists, scientists, all these people are saying, you know, this thing's going to last months and then it could come back, you know? I mean, so we just don't know. Um, I think that's the question that has to get answered. You know, now – well, will the NCAA, let's say we're in July and things are all clear, are they going to, like, say, okay, schools, you can now have, you know, your quote-unquote spring practice in July, and then you can follow that up with training camp? Like, is it, Because if that's the case, then you may be okay because then you've, you've basically got your full slate of practice, and, and now you've got them back-to-back-to-back to, back to, back to where there's more continuity in it. You know, then now you have another set of challenges then because – Maybe players get worn down. You got to give them more rest. So everything's just so up in the air. Um, 
I don't think it would. I think it would be a, a great positive for South Carolina if they got some extra practice time back somehow. But we just don't know if that's the case. You know, if if the season proceeds as usual, and all they get's just training camp, and they only had what a handful of spring practices, that's obviously not a positive for them. A lot of other schools will be in the same boat, but not all. And South Carolina obviously needs all the practices they can get, not only to get better from an individual development standpoint, you look at wide receiver, running back, quarterback, but just implementing this offense as a whole, you know, that that's a big, big challenge for them. I just think there's too many questions right now. And my biggest one is how much practice time do they get? Mm-hmm. Do they get a full training camp? Do they get some extra time because of this? And and once we once we know that, I think we'll be able to better assess, okay, th- this may be – okay this may be far from ideal right now it's far from ideal but we don't know if they're going to get some time back here in the future yeah and unfortunately won't have an answer on that for a while but obviously once we yep. get a ruling on that one way or the other we'll uh, we'll let y'all know and discuss the implications therein gonna run through a couple more of these questions again from the insider forum thank you so much to anyone that posted a question from sc bobo 85 got an over under suggestion the number of college football programs in the sec who are breaking the no recruiting order is over under three I will field this one and say I truly believe that 95% of college football programs cheat in recruiting, whether it's paying athletes or just talking to them in in impermissible ways at impermissible times. I'm 100% sure that that goes on in at least a 95% rate. But in this case, because we're talking about a pandemic, I would say I would actually take the under of three because this isn't about an NCAA rule per se. It's about keeping everybody healthy. So I think all three of us are probably going to take the under on that, right? Yeah, I am. I mean, I, yeah. It, it, you know, honestly, if it was anything else, um, if we were just talking about a normal situation, um, you know, it may be a different answer. But the fact, like you said, it's a pandemic. This is a worldwide thing. Um, and because they can still contact the guys electronically over the phone, DM, text message, et cetera. If, if there was some ban on any contact right now, you know, then absolutely, I, I it may be a different answer. But the fact that in order to break it, then your coaches would have to be out, you know, when really they shouldn't be, and the kids would have to be out on your campus when really they shouldn't be, and the football offices at a lot of places are literally shut down. I I think, um, mm-hmm. as in the doors are probably locked. So, um, in this case, I, I'm going to think and hope that uh, that places – I don't really know that you gain much right now from, from breaking the rules on this. And, and can you imagine the blowback if word got around that you were, you know, breaking this rule? I mean, that, that the, the risk-reward there um, is it, just not worth it. Yeah, well, I mean, Nick Saban's like 70, right? So what if he goes out on a recruiting visit? to try to land some five-star guy and get an advantage while everybody else is on this recruiting ban and he gets COVID-19 and dies. Like that would be like a a horrible and insane and like that, that is, that's a lot different than risking, you know, giving up three scholarships over, you know, the course of three years, you know, that like the stakes in this are actually real. This is not about the NCAA. This is about IRL in real life. So I'll take in the under there. A couple of basketball questions. I'm just going to read these. This from USC Beckham, and your opinion should, or how should Don Staley and USC handle claiming a national championship? And then also from uh, Shagamecock2001, talk to Ariel's potential as a fluid athletic big. Does he look to be a more polished version of Kotsar? 
Can he ultimately defend like Kozar did this season? I read those to say we will revisit these tomorrow. Colin Taylor and I are going to be back with another episode of the Hard Foul, recapping the season, talking about Colin's abbreviated visit to Nashville and what that was like to be in Nashville as they were canceling the SEC tournament and doing a lot of other things to wrap up the season. So we will address those questions on that podcast tomorrow, but thank you for asking them. We will get to those. Uh, this one from BL Gamecock says, seems as if there is a little less hype and excitement about the next signing class than this time last year. I'm talking prior to coronavirus. Is it because the in-state talent is down? What do you guys think? Yeah, and I, I mean, no, I, I, I think we – Go ahead, Wes. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say, Chris – sort of hit on that a little bit earlier. Um, I think it's a combination of things. Um, In-state being down, I I believe, plays into it a bit. I I think you look – obviously, we talked about it all offseason, the fact they won four games last year. A a big way that they were able to have the recruiting class that they had for the 2020 cycle was just that they had already done a really good job of building relationships with these kids. So it's – it was a matter of sort of continuing what you've already built and keeping them invested in the idea of the future of the program um, when they already were sort of invested in that, as opposed to taking guys that are currently still open-minded and in a lot of cases looking at multiple other SEC programs and then comparing your record to their record. I think it's a, it makes it much more difficult right now for this year. Um, Generally, with your South Carolina, you can sort of lean on the in-state crop, um, and you're going to have kids that just just from a literal standpoint don't want to go that far from home. So even if they didn't grow up in a particular South Carolina fan, um, the appeal of being able to get to Columbia relatively easily, easily from anywhere in the state of South Carolina, I think, helps South Carolina with, with a lot of in-state guys. And, um, you know, you just don't they're, – they're not – they're going after, I mean, as far as offered guys that they're, like, truly chasing right now, um, it's like, what, four guys? I guess, well, and that, that includes Justice Boone, who is um, already committed to Florida. You have another, a number of other guys that they're recruiting, could offer and go after, but necessarily haven't – you know, haven't necessarily done that yet. So – um, I think it's a combination of all those things that, that hurts South Carolina right now a bit in this recruiting class. And it's going to have to be a class um, that, that they hit on some evaluations. And, um, you know, is that necessarily ideal? No, but I, I think the big thing is to continue to build relationships with these kids and then hope that, uh, you know, you have a, a big season that you can build off of. And then as opposed to, convincing kids after a rough season, hey, you know, you still need to be all in with us. You're sort of turning it and saying, hey, you already like us. You already like the program. You like the facilities. You like the coaches. Now you're seeing progress again on the field, so so why don't you join us? I, I think it's it, the, the class probably – and this probably would have been the case even before everyone was dealing with coronavirus fallout, but um, – Certainly now, with everything being put on hold, I think this is the class that you probably put together um, a little bit more down the road. There's a second part to BL Gamecock's question, and I'm going to reframe it a little bit. He said, what is the over-under number that Will Muschamp needs to hit to be the coach again in 2021? My question now is, with 
spring either being canceled or possibly postponed. Again, we don't exactly know. With training camp still possibly being affected, and frankly, the season could still end up being affected. I, I don't know if that's likely at this point, given how far away it is, but we really have no idea. I think all of us agree before this happened, heading into the spring, another five and seven, say, year for South Carolina would have meant the end of the Will Muschamp era at South Carolina. Does now this crisis and truncated spring, potentially truncated training camp, and just general weird situation heading into the football season, does that kind of make this year, I don't know, does that give... Will Muschamp like a, a little more leeway? Like, could another five and seven season or so be absorbed because it's like, well, you brought in all these new coaches and they didn't have time to implement their stuff because of the you know COVID nineteen, and you can't hold that against Will Muschamp? Or is this still going to end up just being a, a put up or shut up kind of year? I, I ahead, think it could. I mean, again, so many unanswered questions. I mean, are they going to have practice at all? <laughs> you know, like seriously. I mean, people say, well, that's stupid, Chris. I, I mean, we don't know. I mean, are they going to have a few practices if they do have a few practices are they going to like push the season back a little bit and let them have more will a game be canceled well two we don't know and so yeah you're right Pearson I mean I think you look at it if you look at just on the surface none of this matter you know without any of this full slate and everything the practice spring summer preseason regular season length you know not getting back to a bowl would be a situation in which I think it, it would be very fair to say that there likely be a change then, but we're we're not even there right now. We, we don't know. We don't know. Again, are they going to have spring practice in June, <laughs> you know, or something like that? And we just don't know what the circumstances are. And so, th- there's probably some point where even if you know they there's no spring practice and they had a full slate of preseason, for example. You, you couldn't go and expect the staff to win, say, two games or something like that and, and stick around. But it's just – it's everything right now is so hard to predict. I think if you're, if, you're, if you're looking at the fact that the season is going to be somewhat normal, and by that I mean there's going to be some practice, there's going to be a full slate of games, and I still say it's a bowl game, you know, is what, is what sort of it has to be. But, again, we don't even know – what the circumstances are going to be, and, and those could could play a hand in dictating some of the, that thought process. Last question from the Insider Forum, and Wes, you touched on this a little bit, so a, a little bit of a retread here, but a different question from RL John 1914 says, do you believe the virus situation will impact recruiting more in-state guys? For instance, will we go after more in-state wide receivers like J.J. Jones or Omega Black? Would it help more with a Justice Boone who is committed to Florida or a big T just wondering if our recruiting net has to get a little bit smaller. That's an interesting thought for sure. Um, you know, I think there may be, uh, I really can't say if it does or doesn't affect those guys in particular. Um, I think that's very hard to say in a general standpoint, does it make you sort of have to focus in on, some guys that are a little bit closer that, you know, some of those guys don't have offers yet, like Omega Blake, J.J. Jones, uh, are two in-state guys that a lot of fans want South Carolina to offer. Does it almost force you to say, okay, these are local guys, these are guys you can land. You don't, you haven't been able to get in some of the out-of-state 
prospects uh, for visits this spring that you wanted to? You haven't been able to evaluate out-of-state guys the way you wanted to. Do you sort of have to focus in on some guys you can absolutely land that are solid players in their own right? Um, you know, I, I think maybe so. I, I mean, Chris, I, I don't know what your take is on it. I'd like to hear that as well. But um, I hadn't really thought about that aspect of it. But um, depending on how long things were sort of shut down um, and depending on – again, it's going to depend on those particular position groups as well. Um, do, you, do they start looking at out-of-state wide receivers and, and say, hey, uh, we're, we're not really in great shape with a bunch of out-of-state guys. We haven't been able to get them on campus we need to refocus back in on some in-state kids, then, then absolutely I think you could see that happen. Yeah, it, it all it all does. And I hope people don't start getting frustrated by us saying, uh, you know, I, I don't know. But I, right now that's an acceptable answer, I think, to some questions. <laughs> uh, b- because, you know, it all depends. I mean, let's get through April, May and then the recruiting calendar reopens and South Carolina is able to say have camp, and then they're able to get guys on campus in June. Uh, and then, you know, will, will they re, will they take that normal like late June to July dead period and open it back up given, given this maybe. And so do they do that? Does that allow South Carolina to get some guys who are priorities? They do have some out of state priorities at a lot of positions like wide receiver would be one, for example. Um, if all that's the case, then maybe not. Um, I, I don't think the staff right now is in a position where they're, they're thinking, okay, we're going to start reaching on guys. Not not to say that, you know, Omega Blake could end up getting an offer. Maybe J.J. Jones does end up getting an offer. That, those those are actually possible. Um, but I don't think they're sitting there right now saying this is what we're going to have to do to fill out the class. Now, could it get there um, to where maybe you assess the board and you say, look, because of this, we simply weren't able to get this guy on campus. If you don't get a guy on campus from out of state, you're probably not going to sign him. Um, so it, it all it really it just depends on the timing, I think. Um, where, you know, h- how much time do they have to get some of these guys on campus? Whether it's in the summer or during the season, right after the season, if got, if a guy ends up signing, in, say in February, will this push some guys' decision back? You know, that's another question. Will we have a a more lean early signing period this year? to have some guys take some more time to go out and visit some schools, that's also possible. So just a lot of unanswered questions, and I think saying I don't know is totally fine. The in-state thing, I, I think, is one of those. I, look, the, the West hit on this. I mean, the the there are a handful of guys that are priorities in-state. That's not changing regardless. Could there be one or two more to pop up because of all this that may end up getting an offer? Maybe. You know, I think it's dependent on the calendar and how all that falls. Maybe, but all we know is that it'll be close. Thank you all for your questions today. Yeah. Thanks for your continued support. We're going to try to hopefully get better at this. I think this went pretty well today, considering this is our first podcast, just doing it all all remote. That, that was another question. This is a, uh, the no-huddle edition. As Chris and I are actually <laughs> used to this. We, d- we did yeah, this during the, uh, the season on, on Mondays. Mm-hmm. This, this has worked well with the calling stuff. And, again, I I know we've already said it, but I want to reiterate Yes, we are talking about the effects of COVID-19 and the uh, as far as football goes. We obviously know that right now football and recruiting and all this stuff is not important in the grand scheme of things. So everybody take care of yourself. Take help help every 
every individual right now can help take care of the collective whole by listening to the guidelines that have been put out by, um, you know, our government, CDC, everyone involved in this, and everyone that knows, frankly, way more than all of us do about mm-hmm. what's happening. But um, we're doing this more in lines of everyone's at home. Everyone obviously wants, I would hope, wants us to continue content. So as much as everyone's having to change their day-to-day lives and what they do physically right now, we are doing our best to try to continue to produce the content that uh, people like to consume in lieu of not being able to watch actual sports right now. Yeah, and help uh, help y'all get through it if we can. Yeah, because there was – most people, I I believe, have understood that. We we got a little bit of feedback on one of our Facebook um, pages when we posted a story that was basically like – and it was from one of the interviews, uh, I think, with Frank Martin. It was like, you know, worry worry about – don't worry about if Don Staley got to play for a national title or not. Worry about the people, you know, that are affected by this. And, you know, those two things are not mutually exclusive, like – I'm sure Frank Martin, I'm sure Ray Tanner, I'm sure everybody at South Carolina, um, they've said this. Everyone involved is concerned about everyone else involved in this because we're all in this together. But that doesn't mean we can't be disappointed for the seniors who never got a chance to uh, compete for a championship. That doesn't mean that we can't miss sports. We're we're not. You're not a bad person if you're missing the aspects of your lives that you enjoyed because we all – have sports as a hobby for a reason because it does make us happy. It helps us stay mentally sane, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, I think, um, which is obviously a positive. So, um, yeah, follow uh, – I don't. hopefully I'm saying all this to where it makes sense. Follow no, all the yeah. guidelines that are out there. and But at the same time, it's okay for us to miss sports, and it's okay, I think, for us to continue to talk about sports um, while trying to follow the guidelines that are out there. I couldn't agree more. So that's why, uh, like you said, Wes, just listen listen to the guidelines and uh, listen to us because we hope that you enjoy it. And thank you again for your continued support. Resume normalcy as much as humanly possible, but resume normalcy in a way that's safe. You know, it's normal for us to keep doing this podcast, but a little bit of a twist. We're not together. We're many miles apart, more than six feet. So we're meeting the minimum requirement there. But as always, again, thank you for the continued support. Thank you for all the questions on the Insider Forum. Y'all be on the lookout for more of these regular sort of mailbag threads as we get into the offseason. We were going to start doing that anyway, and so now just another opportunity, I guess, to get that started a little bit earlier. But uh, thank you all for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to this and everything on the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. Colin Taylor and I will be back with a season wrap-up edition of The Hard Foul. And then Chris Chris and Wes and I will be back next Wednesday. Also, y'all, don't forget to subscribe to GamecockCentral.com because, like I said, content aplenty. It seems like there's even more uh, than we have during the season. So if you need entertainment or information, some combination of those things, GamecockCentral.com, Gamecock Central Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. 
We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.